Welcome to the second living room. Enjoy this conversation with your hosts Eileen and Blake, and philosopher and astrologer Britton Frost. It's it's all it's all about the knowledge then. Yeah. For Eileen, yes. It sure is. Copy that. <laughs> well, on the on the topic of knowledge, uh, I wrote this thing last night. Um, by the way one of my philosopher recommendations in life is to, you may already do this, definitely keep a notepad on your nightstand. Ah, uh, I don't. Uh, because, you know, Carl Jung says that in light, I can't remember if he frames it as enlightenment or uh, just profound thoughts in general, but those aha moments that we have happen between consciousness and dream state right mm -hmm. as we're totally uninhibited and we're fading away you know you have those thoughts that kind of flow in and you're like oh if i don't write this down it's going to be gone forever and then it's gone forever 1, just like certain dreams that we have mm -hmm. the dreams are gone if you don't try to recollect them and uh you know re do a little review of them right when you wake up uh and so those tend to be some of the truest and most you know most meaningful things that we can actually take lessons from and integrate you know uh, mm -hmm. for ourselves because our dreams are very important and they don't lie to us you know it's all mm -hmm. a matter of mm -hmm. processing things even if it seems like mundane like anytime i did a job where it was just a you know nine to five like working in a warehouse or something mm -hmm. my dreams would have this structure they would take that structure of the routine that i had every day mm -hmm. and they would just sprinkle in whatever i needed to know whatever i needed to be thinking about for to to mm. improve myself to improve the way that I saw the world um, mm. so I was always dreaming about work in a sense <laughs> yeah. but it, it was more than that you know it was more about like the routine that I'm in is providing a structure uh, of stability mm -hmm. so that whatever changes in that context is very visible mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that having a, a solid routine affords us is mm. uh, anything that um, diverts from that or catches our attention in the midst of that is actually the most meaningful stuff you know it's those micro changes cool. that makes sense so yeah those thoughts uh he's already that... changing my life <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i love that because like before you know probably four years ago i wouldn't look to my dreams at all but now yeah it's like this profound like i'll wake up and i'll be like last night this happened and you know you think you're gonna remember it because you're like this is so profound i know that i'm gonna remember this then you're like it's kind of right. blurry to me now i i don't remember what the lesson was <laughs> so well, keep yeah, like keep the notepad so how could i not remember it? right yeah, yeah. but i mean I, let's say that if it's important enough it'll probably creep back in at some point yeah you know like a, a dream that and I, I could even tie astrology into this too i see certain placements um that like a loaded eighth house Mm -hmm. If if someone's eighth house has a lot of like, uh, especially outer planets, the more unconscious planets, they're unconscious because they're far out there. We can't see them with the naked eye, mm -hmm. you know, like Uranus and Neptune and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, if you have those kinds of planets in the eighth house of crisis and um, transformation, then your dreams are going to be really important, really meaningful. And if you don't take those lessons in your dreams and translate them and integrate them mm -hmm. into your real life, they're just going to keep hammering mm -hmm. on you. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just like you're going to wake up exhausted from nightmare after nightmare after nightmare, you know, yeah. if you're not actually processing those you things know, in for, real time. For me, when so it comes to with like dreams and interpreting them and, and getting the information out of them and using them, how do you know that you're like interpreting them properly or that is it whatever sticks for you? Is like that the message that you need or? Yeah, for one, it's it's about intuition. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. our our intuition is our. Uh, our truth meter, our truth antenna, our meaning antenna, mm-hmm. and almost everything in modern society is meant to distract us from that, so we <laughs> don't know right from wrong, true from false, and good from evil. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's not. It's not emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not logic, cold hard logic. It's not. It's none of those things that we place a lot of value on. Yeah. You know, people say like, oh, men should be more sensitive. Mm-hmm. Women should be more logical. Mm-hmm. Like as if you're trying to make women into men and men into women. Yeah. Right. It doesn't work like that. No. You know, like we play our certain <laughs> roles that are natural to us mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to the extent that our personality allows. And, and and that's it, you know, and that's why we're different. And that's why we work well together, yeah. you know? Yeah. So so it's about intuition, like taking what um, is just take all the external influence out of our perception of mm-hmm. the contents of our own mind. If that makes sense. That you know? makes absolute sense. We have reactions. Sense. Yeah. We have reactions mm-hmm. to the thoughts that flow through us. Mm-hmm. We don't own them, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very much messages that are sent to us. And the more you actually listen impartially without influence from externals, the more, uh, eventually you'll be called to speak rather than listen, mm-hmm. you know, and produce things of your own, I think. I mean, there's something to be said for like creative people who just have like just an insane, uh, integration of their creating something from nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It just flows through them. They don't have to try. It's effortless. It's like, they're so open to it. Wait, before exactly. we continue, this is being recorded, right? Yeah, yeah, I, rec- I started okay. the recording and everything. Just, I was just making <laughs> sure. I was like, yeah. are we like I think not we getting all this amazingness right now? Yeah. Um, mm. Let's yeah, make sure we, that we, we get should, it. We should probably take a moment to kind of bag up. I do want to ask one more question about the dream piece. Okay. Um, because what you we said, have, like, we have time, right? How so much time see. do you guys have? Yeah, I mean, we got time oh, if got you got time. Yeah, I'm thinking like we should keep it to like an hour and a uh, half. Yeah. Hour yeah. And a half. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Too. I got to leave at 12. So, I mean, I think we okay. got plenty of time. Right. Um, but, uh, so back to the piece about intuition kind of being your, your, your thing. That, there you go. I love it. Um, yeah. what about the, the idea of somebody else kind of interpreting dreams for you? Like, is there any, it's a good idea. Appropriateness to that is a good idea. It's a, it's a good idea. If it's somebody who, uh, serves a role in your life, who, you know, knows you, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. kind of helps you along your spiritual path mm-hmm. is kind of maybe a guide for you, not necessarily in the sense of being above you or beyond you, but someone who you can hold hands with, who you're, you know, their path intersects with yours mm-hmm. more often than not, you know, because mm-hmm. I like to say that our uh, life's journey is taken alone, but not every trip must be taken alone mm-hmm. because your path intersects with lots of people at different times. And it's always at the right time with the right people, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I, I, I guess it's from their um, interpretation of your dream that you then use your intuition to find what pieces of that kind of also resonate with you. To- totally. Because, yeah, like your intuition is immediately going to confirm mm-hmm. or reject whatever interpretation they have. Yeah. And how you do know? you know this? Do you feel your intuition in your body? Do we all feel it differently? 
Yeah, you can. So am I able to share my screen with you? Yes, I can. Okay. Let me do that. Weef. Tech savvy. Hmm. Uh, look at look at that. So this look is basically just like uh, Zoom, except honestly, I think it's a little better. All right, Skype right. for the win. Team Skype. Skype, yeah. Skype needs to make a comeback. <laughs> yeah, I know it used to be the only thing. <laughs> it used to be the only thing, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So can you see this? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. My eyes are really not that great. It like made everything smaller, but. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's right. I think you can zoom in. Uh. You mean Skype in? I read that somewhere. I did a little bit of research on the functions of yeah, Skype right. before right. we came on. We got it. I think we're uh, pretty good there. Okay. So yeah, I see it. Th this is a new thing I've been exploring for a while. This is David Hawkins, Dr. David Hawkins' scale of the levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, that for some reason, somehow, don't ask me how it works. Just like don't ask me how there is a causal relationship between the, what the stars are doing and our personality mm -hmm. traits and whatnot. Mm -hmm. All right, so you know, like I, I don't actually believe in causality to begin with, but we can get to that yeah. in a little bit. So this is David Hawkins' scale of consciousness um, according to muscle testing. Okay. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. You can feel certain things in your body. Your body responds. Like if you're, if you're told something true about yourself that you don't like mm -hmm. and you get angry, mm -hmm. that's a below 200 level of consciousness that you, you tense up. Mm. Your uh -huh. muscles go strong because mm -hmm. you feel the surge of truth going through your body, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're reacting to it out of anger or fear or right. desire for uh, to be in another way other than what you're, you're hearing this mm -hmm. person's state, right? So yeah. like I, I have to be careful with this in astrology work because if I'm giving somebody a reading, they, I'm like, all right, how many of these hard aspects do I go into? Uh -huh. And mm -hmm. I kind of look at their mercury and like what their communication style is like and get some information about their chart ahead of time. If they're asking me for a specific question for help on a, you know, relationships or like career or something, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, where, um, where's their communication at? Uh, and also how much work have they done on themselves? You know, you can't, take free will and the person's actual journey in real time out of the equation. So that's why having a back and forth is really important, uh -huh. you know, one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I can usually tune in with the person and gauge where they're at once the conversation begins, like within a minute, you gotcha. know, I kind mm -hmm. of figure it out. But when I'm preparing for a reading, I'm like, all right, how are they going to respond to me talking about this square aspect between their Venus mm -hmm. and their Mars, which mm -hmm. for example, makes it really, really difficult to be in relationships just with anybody mm -hmm. in general, yeah. because like a square relationship between two planets, it's 90 degrees. Uh, think of a square being like hard, jagged edges, 90 degree edges. The way I like to look at it is, let me, actually bring your chart up Eileen if you don't mind let's get as, it as an example I'm excited <laughs> yeah so you have a square let's say between your uh your sun and your midheaven uh your sun and your Neptune okay. uh kind of the stellium right here um imagine these two planets the sun and Neptune heading toward this intersection mm -hmm. full speed ahead mm -hmm. uh and one does not yield to the other. Mm. What's going to happen? They're, They're just going to explode each other. Yes. And um, if they don't 
kill each other, then they're going to continue to brawl in the street in the middle of the intersection, tying up traffic, not giving a care about who's being inconvenienced, you know, at all. So Okay, but people... you got to take me back. So what does that mean? Because, yeah, you're obviously a little bit ahead of me in this. Sure. <laughs> so what would that mean for my life? Like, what does that look like? It means, okay, so this is your area of career. Okay. Uh, and, and purpose, higher purpose. You mm -hmm. have a lot going on here. You have outer planets here, unconscious forces driving mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. also your principles and your rules you set for yourself, that's Saturn and your moon, your emotional nature and your comfort comes through success and through okay. striving toward uh, higher purpose in life. Gotcha. Uh, that's kind of a rough uh, explanation of what's going on in your 10th house. Okay. Um. So that's career. That's kind of butting heads with your ego, which mm. is the sun. Okay. The sun is mm. your ego. It's how maybe you want to be seen. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. Libra sun has kind of a kind of kind of a drama mama prissy like pink pretty in pink <laughs> sort of personality that's so to funny. it. Right. <laughs> Literally uh, yesterday, and, I, but I'm, that, I had that's a you when you're being ruled by the ego. <laughs> you know. That makes but sense to me. You know, you can't me. do that, that makes sense if you're going to be successful. Wait, say again. You can't you can't be that and only that if yeah. you're gonna be successful. That, I'm gonna be that sort of personality style butts heads with where you're going, which is up here, the personal peak of your mountain of achievement. Not in legally you know? blonde. What? So not in legally blonde. She found a way to make those two things work. But maybe you're talking <laughs> right? about Right. You know? This is true. Yeah. So what you're saying is like basically I have like okay, and correct me if I'm wrong. So it's sure. like facade mask of like I'm put together I'm balanced I'm pretty I'm great but I have like this deeper purpose that's like kind of messy or like too strong no, it's, for that it's image more, it's more what what, <laughs> what, what is it we, give it to me you just said like your, your son in Libra is more like I'm pretty and I know it you know oh, what I mean? <laughs> but I am that pretty and I know that. it. <laughs> I know. I know. That's great. But that's the kind of confidence. Like that's one of the good, it can be a good trait of Libra sun that can okay. actually help you. Right. Okay. But what it really means is that the negative traits of that sign will definitely hold you back from striving the, for a career purpose. Whereas and what, wait, what are the like, negative traits? So like, give me like the not okay. self. Part. Somebody who's a toxic Libra is a huge pushover cannot mm. make any decisions mm. and doesn't want to <laughs> mm. and will not just absolutely refuses mm. to uh, use that innate judgment like mm -hmm. ability to make a fair uh, and even judgment between things yeah because that's what Libra does well but mm -hmm. everything that you do well can also have a dark side to it that's the shadow right uh, your traits right yeah. So to answer one of the questions you had about like shadow work, right? Yes. Um, yes. Every, every trait. So wait, let's clarify the question for the audience oh, though. So, sure. so you have, cause we don't know who's going to be listening. We don't know how, it, you know, yeah, how, we're, we're going to go totally backwards. We're going to get the introduction for you later. I like to go. <laughs> right. At the end, we'll do in the introduction and the plugs. Um, so Works. you have like your shadow self and mm -hmm. you have your consciousness, like, day to day we're talking right now in the physical then you have your shadow self i'm, I'm not saying it right but i don't know let's yeah, see so let's see carl young's work right what mm -hmm. is the shadow self and how do we embrace it and why should we the the shadow self roughly speaking uh it's it deserves a whole podcast right oh my god but right i'm like the, we need a second yeah. one already the way yeah the way i would frame it is 
it is the part of the personality that the ego does not want to accept is just as real mm. as the conception you have of yourself that mm -hmm. the ego has built up. So it's the darker side that is not being acknowledged as being suppressed, pushed down, that paradoxically ends up being the driving motivational mm. uh, force behind everything you say, think, and do. Because the unconscious drives like 90, 95% of your life, right? And your behaviors. So the less conscious you are, the more it does. Yeah. And that's mm. one thing that astrology, in my view, is good for, and in Carl Jung's view as well. Right. Um, that it just gives you the technical information that you need about how you are predisposed to seeing the world. Okay. Uh, so it's your predisposed um, perspective on things. And sometimes you get things right, sometimes you get things wrong, but it's one of the main things that makes you unique. Mm -hmm. you know? And Carl Jung was actually a huge proponent of astrology. He couldn't be very public with it because he was a clinician mm -hmm. uh, trying to stick by DSM standards so he wouldn't like lose his license and lose his credibility in the eyes of the institution. Right. Uh, so, which, so let's stick on know, that for a second too, because I'm interested in that and you can maybe add on to sure. it. So I know there's people like Joe Rogan, like he's like F astrology, like da da da. Like, like it's mm. not scientific. It's yeah. like, dude, you came Rona. out of the universe. Like you are the stars. <laughs> so what? Like you really think there's no meaning to this, but I want to know like for yeah. just your argument on astrology like why yeah. why is it true do you have anything yeah, oh for sure yeah. i have three main yeah. points that i like to drive it's kind of my elevator mm -hmm. uh speech mm -hmm. let me um stop sharing screen for now uh my elevator speech uh contains three points first of all it's an ancient body of knowledge for understanding uh what i would call the dualistic collective nature of our perception so we see things in dualities, mm -hmm. in dichotomies, as conceptual-minded uh, people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If we create a concept out of nowhere, we immediately have two concepts because mm -hmm. we have its opposite. We have the concept mm -hmm. we created in our mind, and we have the thing that is not that, mm -hmm. or all things that are not that. It's a category, you know? Mm -hmm. We have birds and non-birds. We fall into the non-bird category. But birds are very... Uh, very similar to lizards in certain mm -hmm. ways. So there's another category there. Um, things that have, uh, I don't know, cold blood and hollow bones. Not saying that birds have cold blood, but it, we could pick any number of traits, yeah. draw a circle around them and say, everything falls into this category mm -hmm. or, not, or not that category, mm -hmm. which is yeah. another category, right? Mm -hmm. So everything in an astrology chart uh, from the signs to the houses, has an opposite. Every sign has its opposite sign. Every house has its opposite house. And so those things are not points of contention against each other. They're perfect complements mm -hmm. that maintain balance in the universe. You know, so Aries versus Libra. Aries is all about the self. It's all about leading with the head, going headfirst into things. And it's all about, you know, me, my wants, my needs, not saying that all Ar Aryans are selfish, you know, mm -hmm. they can be extremely big hearted mm -hmm. uh, once they're developed, you know, but Libra is all about other people putting other people first before they become developed. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's about people pleasing and saying yes to things. Mm -hmm. You know, Aries says yes to itself and no to the world. <laughs> Libra says 
yes to the world and no to itself when it's underdeveloped, right? Mm -hmm. So that's just a, a dichotomy there. Uh, in the houses, um, the first house is, you know, similarly about the self. It's about your self-image um, and about your understanding of your own self, your self-appearance, your, your, your appearance. The seventh house directly across from that is about other people, relationships mm -hmm. with other people one-on-one -on -one once you've gotten out of yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that, that's a long-winded way of, you know, pointing at the first point. Mm -hmm. It's just an ancient body of knowledge for understanding the dualistic nature of our way of thinking as yes. humans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's very old. It's 6,000 years old, at least, that we know of, and it's been developed and uh, it's taken many different paths into many different areas for many different applications. There are mm -hmm. many types of astrology, and I am just trying to master this one type mm -hmm. yeah. that yeah. I mm -hmm. find uh, I have a connection to, and um, and 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 that's it. You know, it's 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 old, and not to say that just because it's old, it's good. Yeah, there are plenty of things that are old that need to be updated, but mm -hmm. it's also an open system. You know, it's open to being updated because things are constantly changing and there's nothing about it that uh, is not capable of adapting mm -hmm. to change mm -hmm. at its core. So it's it's an old open system, uh, not a belief system. Right. It's mm -hmm. just a, it's a body of knowledge, just right. like science is a method for understanding the inner workings of the mechanics of nature. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. it's not a belief system, mm -hmm. but some people treat it that way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if a scientistic person mm -hmm. uh, who thinks that everything that can be known in the universe uh, can be reduced down to the scientific method, uh -huh. uh, if someone says, do you believe in astrology? Right. You know? I'm yeah. like, I can't uh, even have this conversation with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, one of my responses to that is, well... I don't know what I believe, but I know <laughs> stuff about astrology. What do you know about astrology? Right. You know, can you refute it? Because yeah. if you don't know anything about it, then you can't refute it. And then they'll say, well, how do you know about something that isn't true? I'm like, how mm -hmm. do you know it's not true? Mm -hmm. And then we mm -hmm. are like, what do you mean by truth? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they say, well, truth yeah. is relative. Uh -huh. And then I'm like, well, is that statement true? Uh -huh. You know, so don't worry. Like, I have a master's you. degree in philosophy. I can back them into a logical corner, mm -hmm. you know, but they don't have the knowledge <laughs> of astrology <laughs> that, yeah. uh, to come back at me. So um, I, I try not to get into the conversation. You know, I, yeah. I like to interact with people who are, I, I hate to use the word open, but mm -hmm. just kind of like tuned in with things and yeah. stuff, you tuned know? Tuned yeah. in with things and stuff. Yeah, I, I think what you're talking about right now is like a topic that's super interesting to me. Because um, I mean, my whole life I've been very much like try to be objective, try to be scientific, uh, figure it out, logic, all that stuff. But there's definitely a big piece missing from that kind of point of view. Uh, yep. when it comes to like actually living your life. Right. Um, and yeah. it makes me wonder, and I think, I don't know if that was one of our questions that we wrote down or how we put it, sure. but um, like, how do you reconcile those two parts of the world aside that can look at astrology and consider that it does have some value, it does have some truth and like yeah. pit that against the, the part of you that wants to be like really logical and say, well, 
how yeah. if I'm born during a certain month, what do the stars and the alignments yeah. of things actually have to do with me and my personality? Yeah. yeah. So that's the that's what I call in, in philosophy the mechanistic fallacy mm -hmm. is basing your belief or refutation of a belief on the fact that you don't know how it works. <laughs> yes. Right. If if you come yeah. from the perspective or the standpoint at, at baseline that the more you learn, the more you have to learn, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The more you learn, the more you find, the less you know about how mm -hmm. things work, but mm -hmm. maybe the grander a perspective you gain, mm -hmm. then um, it's it's a matter of attitude. You know, Then you become more open to different bodies of knowledge yeah. that you mm -hmm. weren't open to before. And so I, I do have a lot in my own birth chart too. It's a, it's a predisposition mm -hmm. to be logical or to yeah. be more emotional in your thinking, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, those are all reactions that we have. Like, you know, you or I may use logic in defense of something, yeah. but it's really all about ego preservation mm -hmm. at the core. Yeah. Whereas somebody else may do the same with their emotional reactions. And we just kind of point the finger at them and say, oh, you're just being emotional. Yeah, totally, and really totally. our lodge, our proclivity to be logical comes from the same place. Mm -hmm. you know? Same place. Yeah. That's, right. so, that's so interesting. Um, I, mm -hmm. So that, that kind of uh, argument, uh, like logic versus emotion and kind of like butting heads to, to decide if something's more right or wrong than the other um, is the same sort of like combat I see in like religious versus non-religious or totally. belief in God versus uh, not in God. You can kind of simplify it down to that same crux that, hey, you both have the same problem. Totally. Um, They're all false dichotomies. Yeah. You know, there's uh, <laughs> those are concepts we and categories uh, that we fit people into mm -hmm. and our mm -hmm. conception of them, our conception of whatever religion or political position yeah. they, they stand for or have like box they fit themselves into. Yeah. We think that just because someone is willing to join a group yeah. uh, that we have an understanding of them because mm -hmm. based on our conception of what the group stands for, right? you know, yeah. mm -hmm. but you can yeah. still be an individual within a religious group or a political group, just like we're all individuals within the group of all of humanity mm -hmm. in yeah. general. It's just a bigger group that we're talking about, you know, versus yeah. let's say the category of non-humans, all other animals and everything else that exists, you know? Mm -hmm. My first thought was it, aliens. <laughs> on a very, yeah, on a very primal so way, those things aliens? have perspectives. <laughs> Maybe aliens have a more sophisticated mm. perspective than we do. No, but what, <laughs> what you're touching on is so interesting because that's something I'm always like grappling with and probably caused me more like struggle than anything else is is those those dueling sides, the, the opposites. Yeah. And, and how do you... Oof. I don't know. Like, I, are we just talking about the middle way? Like, is that the the answer to everything? And just accepting things uh, the way that they are, or is it well, important no, to that, have that's one the side? Fallacy of the false middle. Oh gosh. At the same time, there's an error. That's in where accepting. we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's an error, a fundamental error, uh, in accepting that this dualistic conception exists to begin with. Oh god. You yeah. know, uh, we create what? categories, we create <laughs> conceptions for an end mm -hmm. of some sort. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm like gonna to, get there. I'm gonna figure it out. Like once I once it, I find once I a level this, of understanding, I'll be good. good. Right. And why do you want to be good? Where do you want to get to? And why do you want to get there? Why you do you know? want to figure it What's out? What's the end? I asked you that yesterday. <laughs> we could look. We could say that survival ultimately is like some kind of ultimate goal, but we're mm -hmm. more than that, right? We're yeah. more than just surviving beings. Dude, what do you do? You know of Alan Watts? I I do. I haven't really dug into oh, much of his stuff to be honest i but, love him uh, he i just listened to something he said it was um 
it's something like once you realize you don't need to survive because you are all like you're there that what you are doesn't need to survive yeah like what you are doesn't need to survive because you're what there is yeah yes yeah and that was like whoa yeah that's kind of another way of saying we are god Mm -hmm. and god is us because okay can you spend a little time on that nature is (laughs) is the fact spend a little time on that universal because mainstream thinking right okay so when you say we are god so mainstream thinking is like and i kind of like put this back to like where i was you know back in the day it was like okay god is like someone who's separate from me like sitting up there like Uh making sure that i'm following the rules and all this like so when you say we are god like what can you explain that in a way that doesn't sound to the people who think god is a man just like sitting up there doesn't sound like horrible like what you're a god you're claiming yeah. to be god like I'll, I'll do my best in the time that we have okay <laughs> uh, again this is a great topic we need uh, like a couple of different we need a series here yeah probably so maybe this is the podcast yeah there we go <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> god is a personified conception of truth with a capital t mm-hmm. Boo, yeah. that's what i think god is mm-hmm. uh truth is formless it is contentless has no mm. content it has no form it has no context it is the context mm. within is. which everything exists so mm. you know as above so below inward outward everything is the same infinitely and mm. different infinitely uh so when an atheist argues against the conception of god they have all these logical loops that they jump through but they can't in the end define god Mm -hmm. they don't really have a logical definition for what the concept of god is maybe christians have it right maybe they don't maybe muslims have it right maybe they don't right Mm -hmm. but i think all the details uh are mere examples of content that we attach to the concept of truth Mm -hmm. itself Mm -hmm. in order for us to understand the universal, the, uh, the absolute better. Mm -hmm. And the absolute is that which contains everything. You know, you can't just like draw a circle around a definition and expect everything that exists uh, in your metaphysical theory to be accounted for that. You also have to account for theorizing per se. What allows you to draw that circle, draw that conceptual boundary around things? Mm-hmm. That's also that's something that's beyond beyond yourself, yeah. but it's also within you because it's something you're enacting all mm-hmm. the time. So, um, yeah, rough, rough and short mm-hmm. uh, way to answer that question, you know? Yeah. But um, <laughs> God itself is like true is truth itself and goodness right. itself. It has no conditions. It- it yeah. can't no be defined. Concept. It can't be put in a box. When we use words to say what God is, I mean, that's just what it is. You're using words. You're limiting it. Like you're yeah. saying God is like the all, like there's no end. Like try to sit there and think of like never ending. Like that's right. You know? Logically speaking, what it is, is an assumption. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if, if we take a logical approach to it, if you talk to an atheist, um, what they'll say is that the physical uh 
dude that we call God is, does not exist. Okay, mm-hmm. I actually accept <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. But reduce their <laughs> argument it's back right to the first point of mm-hmm. assumption that gives their argument a basis. Yes. They're basing it on materialism. Mm-hmm. Okay, God doesn't exist because I assume that he's a material entity. Yeah. And if it doesn't have matter attached to it, content that we can touch and feel and see and measure mm-hmm. with mathematics which mathematics is not physical either. So mm-hmm. that's another way their you know, <laughs> argument collapses in on itself. Um, like, where is a seven? Find me a seven. Right Find here, me a two. Boom. Yeah. I think everything is a one. Yeah. One is identity. I think know? it's zero. Um, but anyway, that's another thing. So uh, if we reduce everything, we can reduce every argument back to yeah. a fundamental assumption that we're not questioning. And for a, a standard atheist, that assumption is all reality is material. It's mm-hmm. physical, right. physical matter and energy that we can touch and measure and see or whatever. Which is um, not true. <laughs> for me, if your fundamental assumption is not uh, truth exists, then what you're saying is probably erroneous mm-hmm. at some point in the chain. But I, th- I don't think there's any escaping the belief that truth exists mm. because in order to say truth is relative – you have to assume that what you're saying is true, mm-hmm. right? But so I, it's logically uh, inescapable to assume that truth exists. Otherwise, nothing we do say believe has meaning. So I, it sounds like you're talking about two different truths, though, like a, some ultimate absolute truth and some other like miniature form of truth that is only it has conditions to it. Which you said that ultimate truth totally. doesn't have that. Um, yeah, every so, ever all knowledge, uh, knowledge has conditions mm-hmm. right yeah you know we know this because of that mm-hmm. yeah we know that because of this mm-hmm. so i uh, um let me see mm-hmm. so uh, life as we live it has conditions right totally so uh, like so, why, why do we do any of the things we do to like gain resources mm-hmm. and security for ourselves it's like i, mean, I have yeah, to on eat one to level live. it's for survival right mm-hmm. yeah but Making a, a good life for yourself is yeah. more about survive. If all it were were mere survival, then you would never strive for more than what you absolutely need. Mm-hmm. But we tend to. Yeah. And it's not simply a matter of want. For some people, it is. Some people just want stuff. Yeah. And that's fine. Uh, maybe they'll learn their lessons about why they don't need all that stuff once they have it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think oftentimes we get what we want to realize that we don't need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but when you have a deeper purpose driving you, uh, if you're able to sit alone by yourself, just exist, mm-hmm. you know. Um, oh, this is the thing that I wrote last night. We went on a tangent about dreams and all. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I was having trouble sleeping. Uh, if we go looking for knowledge, what we'll find is stuff. If we go looking for wisdom, what we'll find is knowledge. So conditional mm-hmm. truth. If we go nowhere and look for nothing at all, only then will wisdom find us. Because yeah. wisdom is about being it's about being comfortable in your own self uh and roughly speaking being able to discern right from wrong true for false it's about being tuned in with your intuition mm-hmm. your your little truth antenna mm-hmm. you know regardless of the content in, involved you know like people come to me sometimes and slide into my dms <laughs> and they're like what books should i read like what do you yeah. like how do i like 
know some of the stuff that you talk about. Like, how do I gain the knowledge? I'm like, uh, I don't, it's not about knowledge. Like mm -hmm. I'm not looking right. for anything. I've had like a very consistent trajectory. Everything I've read has just kind of gradually led into and mm -hmm. led me to the next thing that I've read. Yeah. You know, there's been a progression uh, because I've spent a lot of time and, and effort just not spending time and effort on things, just being still and <laughs> yeah. quiet mm -hmm. and paying attention to things as they are and paying attention to my reactions to things and mm -hmm. not getting caught up in, in those currents, you know, life is a river and we're on a raft mm -hmm. and I've been trying to like, just build the, the infrastructure of my raft, uh, and the paddle to navigate it with as solid as it can be so I can navigate around and through rapids and dock it every now and then and look, you know, get up on higher land to see what's around the next bend. Uh, but then at some point you have to get back on the raft and, and do stuff like go somewhere, you know, oh, I feel to that. fulfill your purpose mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So perspective matters, but it's not all about, and it's, and it's not all about deciding things either. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Uh, so I like to use the river analogy because it kind of has all the all the parts to it. Uh, but wisdom comes to us just like uh, things that we're approaching on our river of life seem to come to us, even though we're moving toward them just as much as they are uh, standing still. As as humans, we're transient. We we move. Uh, mm -hmm. We're dynamic, uh, and we have egos to drive us you know, and to motivate us to be better, to mm. be something. So let's um, talk about the ego an animal a little in nature bit. isn't trying to be anything. It just is. It just but, is, right? So we have yeah. our egos. Can you just give a little, little like definition from your point of view of what it is? And and mm. you're saying it, it's driving us to be better. I hear a lot of things about like, like uh, Eckhart Tolle or Eckhart Tolle. Basically, his first book is like, screw the ego. But I think he's kind of talking about it in a different context. Um, yeah. So a little bit about that. And I also want to know personally, sure. like, are you completely objective? And you're like, you know what your ego's doing or... <laughs> Cost a struggle. Yeah, I'll hit on that first, just so I don't sound like an arrogant cock for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> but no, it's a it's a lifelong struggle. It's a lifelong journey to check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck. Okay, yourself. give me like one practical way to check yourself. Like, give me this awareness. What what is it? Uh, take your time. Take your time. Um, yeah, uh, re realizing in your body. You know, you you brought up that initially, and I'm. Um, learning about a, a framework through David Hawkins work and muscle testing and stuff to actually, you know, test your bodily reactions to things. Basically, if you go strong, if you can maintain your, your muscle strength, uh, in the face of a fact or an idea or of information or of a context, then there is truth to it to some degree. Mm -hmm. If you go weak, uh, then there's something fundamentally wrong with it. That's the 200 level um, in that scale. Mm -hmm. So let me bring that up again. Who, um, who is uh, David Hawkins? I, I haven't heard of him before. Do you? Yeah. So he actually lived in Sedona. Oh, um, have you met him? By the way, we want to come uh, over. Do you have an extra room? <laughs> not currently. My uh, <laughs> friend and I live here, and it is a one-bedroom apartment, and Rats. it's kind of cramped, but we're working on getting a bigger place. <laughs> Just rent, rent's pretty expensive out here, and yeah. we both have uh, – she's a yoga instructor, really, uh, really talented, and we're both kind of working on our own 
you know, sort of healing work. I hate using the H word sometimes, but yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's so played out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so these, you know, these kinds of emotions. Do you have it up right now? Yeah, I'm not I can't, we can't it, see yeah. it right now. Oh, okay. You can't see it. No. All right. Let me see. Da, da, da. Stop sharing. Maybe that'll help. Share. Man, there's so much to talk about. My, my mind's like going crazy. We need extra time. Like we need totally. to like. We, I mean, if you guys want to chop it up and. Well, know. I think we'll do podcast one, but then maybe we need to say, okay, we want this podcast just to be on like the shadow okay. stuff. We want yeah. this one just to be totally. on astrology. Yeah, for sure. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot, a lot to learn. Well, well, you know what? For the sake of like consistency, let's. Uh, I'll finish answering your question about. You know, my argument for astrology's cogency, yeah. for its legitimacy, right? Yeah. So my first thing about it gives us uh, a framework for understanding the dualistic nature of human thought and perception. Um, there's already an error there, and it's a legitimate one, that reality itself is not dualistic, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Reality itself is reality itself. Everything's a part of it, and it's part of everything right. that, that is contained within it. Um, the second thing is from a philosophy of science standpoint, uh, and this is one that usually resonates. This is a point that usually resonates with somebody who is more you know, logical or scientific in their thinking, um, is that uh, a closed system that doesn't have any fundamental truth to it, a system that uh, we merely have for our convenience to say gain resources or to achieve some sort of material end gets less accurate the more detail you go into, mm. such as Myers-Briggs uh, personality type system. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was my first uh, experience with personality systems and psychology. And mm-hmm. some people research it seriously in psychology, other people in more of a folky type way, but really where it has its value is in business mm-hmm. because giving some, somebody, uh, giving everybody in a company, a type doing a seminar on it, telling everybody why they're uniquely special, how they're similar to these two or three other people in the office who have their type. You know, it gives people some, it's a morale booster, Mm -hmm. gives them something to talk about in the break room. uh, And it gives them some utility on uh, what are the traits based on that system that will make work itself more efficient and make your company more profitable. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's, that's where it's, you know, utility really ends. It it hits Mm -hmm. its limit there. Uh, in terms of uh, not full-on personal growth. If you're all about that, then you're going to grow out of Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. more detail you go into about each type, the less accurate it is for each individual person, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, a yeah, it fits everybody into one of 16 boxes, but there's infinitely more variability mm-hmm. within each of those categories then there are differences among the categories, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So astrology doesn't work that way. Astrology gets more accurate the more detail you go into. <laughs> yeah. Because your birth chart is based on your exact position on earth at the time of your birth when your umbilical cord was cut and no one else shares that space at that time. 
and your birth chart is unique. No one else has your birth chart. So it's actually theorized that over the course of centuries, there's maybe one other person who has your exact birth chart. Maybe it like it's, really? it's theoretically possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then you get into, you know, talks about karma and past lives and stuff like that, but that's not really my area. What do you, you know, believe about now. all that? <laughs> you want to talk about all that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? Well, well, so the more, is this your 87th th- life? Uh, I, I, I was told by a shaman. It's like my 10,000th. Really? Nice. Yeah. Well, congratulations um, on being dude. an old soul. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, hey, you have it too. You have a Capricorn moon. Okay. That's because uh-huh. I, I do as well. That's a old one of the old soul. Oh, I definitely feel that. I'm like, I've done this plenty before. Like Blake, round Blake and round. Almost certainly has something similar going on. I got you a bunch of Capricorn like, stuff. A, you know, late Zodiac moon. Do you know what your big three are? I'm pretty sure um, my moon's in Capricorn as well. Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, are, are you big three? Is that like sun, uh, first moon, uh, rising sign? Yeah. So I'm Pisces, Pisces, Capricorn, I'm pretty believe Capricorn being the moon. Okay. I think okay. Yeah, I yeah. might be wrong. I knew there was some Pisces in there. It might be, the it might inquisitiveness. be, I think that's what it my is. My little fish. I think it, <laughs> my yeah. little, my little double fish. Yeah. Quadruple fish. It's really. Me. I'm fishing in it. <laughs> I feel What's like we've done fish? this before us three. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe in a past life. Oh, like the <laughs> thousand before this, you know? I like I like to say that, I mean, anybody, you know, who's really self-aware and values um, their own purpose and their place in the world uh, can embark on a spiritual path uh, and can be to some degree enlightened, right? But I like to say that the last three, like the last quadrant of signs is mm-hmm. the spiritual quadrant. Okay. So mm-hmm. Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, those are more, those signs are more consciously striving toward enlightenment, Mm -hmm. whether they get there or not is another story, how Mm -hmm. they manage themselves and their reactions to things and the decisions that they're faced with in life. You know, I like to say that because Pisces is the last sign of the Zodiac, in some ways, it's theoretically supposed to be the most developed. Mm -hmm. But because of that, an underdeveloped uh, Pisces is the worst kind of person. (laughs) Underdeveloped, uh, underdeveloped is the worst. Uh, a developed Pisces is the best. You know. I will say, like, I have my worst I and best he, days. I'll tell you. Yeah, totally. He totally. Yeah. He was the one who. Sorry, I gotta look at my chart I didn't real know, quick. Brought me to these out, like, brought me outside of my conditions a little bit. Um, yeah. I do think that my soul is older than his. <laughs> That's what really counts. It's who has the oldest soul. Pisces has a very reflective uh, persona. They they reflect things within other people that they're not facing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like (laughs) that's what water does. That's what water does. Mm -hmm. It reflects. That's what fish scales do. Mm -hmm. They reflect. You know, everything that we can observe in the symbolism of astrology, and also everything we can observe in physical space. Um, about the planets represents something psychological and spiritual. It represents mm-hmm. an archetype of some sort, a pattern of yeah. human expression and behavior that we can observe in people in ourselves. Dude, I love that. Um, I need to get into it more. Yeah, sorry. Cause... I'm looking at my chart real quick uh, to make sure I didn't lie to you. Yeah, he's looking oh, yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, Ascendant Pisces, Sun yeah. Pisces. Just looking for yeah, Moon Capricorn. Yeah, that's what I am. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a cool combination. Uh, Pisces and Capricorn are. Uh, they're in a very harmonious and uh, harmonious relationship. Um, they they tend to get along both within your own birth chart and among other people, mm-hmm. right? 
but again, it depends on the stages of development. So, yeah. so anyway, the more the more accurate and sp the more specific you go, the more accurate mm -hmm. astrology yeah. becomes. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that logically should not happen. Uh, it's if like it I just raised. Like, yes, teacher. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah. Choose me. Call me. Um, well, well, think about it. You know, with precision, if you go deep into something, mad scientist mm -hmm. syndrome, the more you risk being inaccurate mm -hmm. on the right. broader perspective exactly. amplifying that area you're reductionizing you it you're losing yep. everything else because exactly you're going exactly little the more you angle reduce. instead of so the the scientist in me is wondering how do you measure that accuracy like how do you know it's more accurate whenever yeah. you zoom in there so the the question itself mm -hmm. of measurement presupposes <laughs> that in order for something to be accurate mm -hmm. it has to be measured oh yeah Mic drop. Like that, that's the error. Yeah. You know, Mic drop on, error. On the, in the most general way I can put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that shows, up in, that shows up in everything. You know, yeah. we can like, we can understand from the bottom up level. And this actually leads into my third point uh, about defending astrology mm -hmm. that usually resonates best with people, regardless of whether they're religious or scientific in their thinking or you know, logical or philosophical or whatever, it actually, it's the point that has the least like logical reason behind it, but it's kind of more of a question. So if our atomic microbiology has any effect on how we are, then why wouldn't the forces beyond us on the macro scale have mm -hmm. an effect? It's Feel just that. a question. Mm -hmm. But when people get thinking about that, they're like, okay, yeah, like the deeper you go into, you know, into the atoms that make us up, the less we actually understand about ourselves mm -hmm. because we're going down a rabbit hole of trying to reduce human nature yep. to physical stuff that we can observe through a microscope. Right. Yeah. But then mm -hmm. if you observe like how people actually act, you can see patterns over time. And those patterns represent something that is at least as real as the micro stuff that makes us up on the material level. 1000%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's something we can also observe that we can also measure if we want to, you know, mm -hmm. like you can't really measure with absolute mathematical mm -hmm. precision, um, which decision is better than the other, mm -hmm. right? Because at some point, if you reduce a decision, the quality uh, and the nature of a decision itself in that way, what you're saying is efficiency, consistency of say some other value fulfilling some other value or need is actually the assumption is actually the fundamental truth of all reality such as like a company can put making money as its first and only goal it's one and only goal that's great and everything a company has to make money you know and be profitable to be worth it but it's not the only condition that must be met mm -hmm. you also have to treat your employees with respect because yeah. Maybe they're just working for you. Like your stupid dream is not their dream. Mm -hmm. For them, it's just a means to an end. Yeah. So you have to adapt the way you treat them to what their goals are, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so everything reduces, if we want to be reductionist in our thinking, everything reduces to an assumption, to something mm -hmm. that we're yeah. not questioning, yeah. that we're mm -hmm. taking for granted as the goal that's worth it, yeah. you know? And for me, the one goal that's worth it and the one thing that, stand strong in the face of all adversity is truth exists mm. you know and so is that if, the truth that we were talking about earlier the the truth with no conditions yeah well uh, love is the embodied expression of truth mm -hmm. <laughs>
It's unconditional. If if you if Are you're you talking about Jesus conditions, right? you're not loving, you're using. Yeah. Wait, say again. Oh, right. If you if you mm-hmm. have conditions, see your love, you said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, love, love by definition cannot have conditions. So people speak of like unconditional love yeah. as if that's a relevant category. No, no, no. Love itself has to have no conditions. Otherwise, you're just using the person to gain something, mm-hmm. you know? So there's like a difference between, say, a woman marrying a man because she wants kids. Like that's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Her marrying him is a means to an end if she's marrying him to get kids. But if she wants his kids, that's a different thing. Mm. That's she wants kids because she loves him, right? There, that's yeah. the, that's the difference. Yeah, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, for yeah. sure, for sure. I, I just wonder about the um, like how we use truth, and uh, and maybe using truth is the wrong way to think about it. Mm. Uh, but what role does truth play in our everyday lives? If our lives require conditions for us to I don't know, interact with our physical world. Um, But truth is so like almost kind of elusive because it, once you put a condition on it, you're no longer in a, in a real truth situation. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, If we, I I think you were right. Your first instinct to say, ah, the the questions may be Mm -hmm. a little faulty. I think, I think that's right because truth is more, more of a foundation Mm -hmm. than it is a a goal, you know, and it's not really a tool. Like science is a tool. Mm -hmm. Astrology is a tool. Yeah. Uh, You know, we use tools to To reduce, to understand. Yeah. We we have our realms of competence based on our natural predispositions and also what we put effort into Mm -hmm. practicing uh, on a routine basis. We develop competence for things and those are the tools we use to get stuff and to do stuff. And, truth has to do it is the context you know again within which everything exists so truth is the reason you're able to exist it's the reason that you're able to uh have self-awareness to -hmm. pursue one thing rather than another thing that you're not suited for you Mm -hmm. know like uh, there's nothing worse than like a dude like you know when i was when we were I guess when we were all starting college, right? Mm-hmm. Remember the dudes who were trying to pursue engineering who just couldn't pass calculus. <laughs> yeah. What makes you think that you can be an engineer? Like what is driving you to want to be an engineer yeah. if it's not hey. based in your own innate competence? Uh-huh. <laughs> if you can't, if calculus isn't like, if you don't know it, like the back of your hand, you can't be an engineer. It has to be, yeah. has to be natural, you know? And so those were just, that's like a group of guys that, um, and what are their names? <laughs> that are not aware, you know, they're, they're not self-aware. Yeah. Um, and so they're not, you, I guess like engineering, terms, they're, they're trying to use engineering truth. as some means to an end, but it doesn't actually fit in with their like yeah. picture with their yeah. path. With yeah. Their they look skills. at the status that it mm-hmm. gives you. Like yeah. it's seen as an alpha job, mm-hmm. you know, being an engineer alpha of the mind, like an INTJ kind of deal, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> and and so they like the things that the job brings, but they don't what? like the work itself. I'm pretty sure it's my mind's work itself. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. I think so. Then Doesn't mean you can't be good I at NTJ. building something. Yeah. But you're you know, good at you calculus. Can... I, uh, I, don't even, I don't even remember it, to be honest with you. You know what? I know that math isn't my strongest subject, so I've never even taken a calculus class. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I like shapes. I was good at geometry. <laughs> yeah. 
but then that ties into like what I do now, sacred geometry yeah. and seeing patterns and seeing yeah. shapes. And I have a good sense of direction too. you know, like you kind of need those things. You need conceptual awareness of your environment to be able to see patterns in a birth chart, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. you know, it's a very logical system. It, it's just more geometrical than, you know, algebraic, let's right. say. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Where do we want to take this? Do we have any other questions? I, I know we want us to know about the Mars thing. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a little uh, different. I like I like I, how you asked that question. Too, <laughs> I thought more. I was like, what? What is it? Was it like I had Mars thirty? Like I don't know. I remember messaging you like ten years ago too. I was like, Britain, hey, like, are you going to Mars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was my that was my thing for a while. You know, I, I was a, um, a Mars astronaut in training. I kind of did it like as a half joke. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I was like, wait, start I, from the beginning. Like, what was it? How did you get involved? Like, let's Mars talk about it. Project. Okay. I really, I mean, for one, I wanted to throw people for a loop. You know, I've always, you know, kept the, my family and the people around me on the edge of their seat regarding where I'm going in life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Eileen, they thinking about really your mom's known. name, Eileen, right? And, you know, I don't really know either. That's true. Yeah. My mother's name is Eileen. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Send in prayers so you, her way jokes that come along with that you're familiar. <laughs> tough life growing up as a teenager you know in certain ways um so yeah the mars one project was this very temporary half-ass attempt to build a uh space program to build a colony on mars okay and mm-hmm. they were taking applications for uh for astronauts just mm-hmm. they kind of threw it out there and I was like, okay, this would be fun and funny. <laughs> I got interviewed by Fox 8 News. I oh, got, my God. You know, interviewed by, like, all these people and stuff. We might have to throw person. that up online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to find the video. Yeah. I've, I've lost uh, – I have my application video on my YouTube channel. Oh, yay. Um, along with, like, 450 other videos about so, random things. So was it, like, going to Mars and never coming back? That was the goal, yeah. But I never honestly believed that we could even – get there okay so, so you like knew you knew it wasn't gonna happen going not coming back yeah. yeah and you know and this is another tangent i don't think that we actually can make it to mars maybe we can send a rover there or something like that but to build an actual space shuttle to transport humans there i don't even think we can actually get there mm-hmm. um but that's that's another thing so it was kind of a joke i got uh, you. And it threw people for a loop for a while. Like, I still have people every now and then, like, are you still going to Mars? I was like, shit, that's so last decade. Like us? Yeah. <laughs> I said, like us? We were wondering. Dude, I was wondering. Because yeah. you got pretty far into it, right? I was, like, the last, I was the final five or 600 people yeah. being inter- going through the interview process and everything. Yeah. Wow. wow. Um, pretty nuts. That is insane. <laughs> I remember thinking about it. I was like, oh, man, I don't think I can get to a point where I'd be like, yeah, I want to leave Earth and just spend the rest of my life on Mars. Like, that yeah. tripped me up for a little yeah, while. Yeah, like, picturing, like, sitting in, like, the rocket, you know, like, pinned down and then, like, them being, like, you know, 10, 9, 8, 7, all the way to 1. <laughs> yeah. And then going well, there and never coming back. You know, counting back down from you 10. Know? Yeah. Crazy. You know? Like did you put yourself? unknown, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh so, it kind of leads into, like, how how I got to the point of where I am today, where I talk mm-hmm. a lot about Mars. It's one of the planets in the yeah. sky. It's one of the planets that shows up in everybody's birth chart and mm-hmm. plays a role. It's a part of us, you know, yes. each planet represents a part of our personality. Uh, so maybe subconsciously my 
hypothetical mission to Mars was um, uh-huh. just part of the journey. It was an unsophisticated uh, kind of like immature half-ass attempt to explore the unknown through the macro reality. Don't talk about yeah. past Britain that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just saying I'm I'm in a better place now. Yeah. You know. Better and, is relative. Uh, I got out of the material, got out of the physical realm, and more into the the metaphysical, where yeah. patterns uh, and deeper aspects of reality actually exist, mm-hmm. and things that are also more local to us that we can understand. You know. Mm-hmm. And astrology gives us gives us that, you know? Yeah. So when you asked about the Mars thing, mm-hmm. I was pretty sure you were talking about like Mars being in retrograde right now. <laughs> Not necessarily my Mars mission that was so that's last funny. decade. That is hilarious. Yeah, that's really funny. That's great. Because uh, I, I was going to say that in response to the Mars <laughs> retrograde thing, you know, that's that's where I'm at now, right? So if mm-hmm. you ask me a question about Mars right. in today's Britain mm-hmm. state, I'm thinking astrological meaning, yes, you know? Right. And Mars means something different for everybody depending on where it shows up in your birth chart. And uh, Mars right now is in transit. So depending on how your birth chart is set up, mm-hmm. it's transiting through one of your houses yeah, um, I got that, that double double Mars right now. Is that what's going on in my third house? Maybe mm-hmm. uh, you said I'd be like super confident and like uh, very energetic. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Because your birth Mars is in Gemini. Yeah, so you're really in a mood of like doing right now, putting things into action. And Mars is going to be stationing in your third house in transit uh, for the next few months. So there's there's a lot of doing involved and you're already a doer because you have a, a big 10th house, you know, 10th house is about doing stuff to get to where you ultimately want to be. It's mm-hmm. reaching that, you know, peak of your personal mountain of achievement, as I like to say. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're putting things into action and throwing stuff up against the wall and you're seeing where it goes, you know, but so Mars means something different. Transit Mars means something different for everybody based on where it's showing up in their own personal birth chart in gotcha. their perception, mm-hmm. you know? And so when you ask me about the Mars thing, I'm like, uh, I can't tell you about astrologically <laughs> what that means, uh, because it depends what it means for you, for you. Uh, based on right. your birth chart. And mm-hmm. so that's the cool thing about astrology. And one way that actually astrology is bastardized and, you know, pushed into the popular, public uh yeah. realm sun sign it's all about the sun mm-hmm. it's all about mm-hmm. the ego the yeah. sun represents the ego in our birth chart right mm-hmm. so when you read a horoscope uh people try to frame it as though it stands for what your what your ego is doing what your sun sign is doing mm-hmm. when really it corresponds to your rising sign yeah. the horoscope is about the transits what's mm-hmm. happening right now mm-hmm. you need to know where your rising sign is in order to know how the houses and the signs are lined up Right. So that you know where the transits are affecting your chart. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah, like there's a lot more to it than just your sun sign. Which, oh my god! Yes, yeah, like so there, much, and, and people no don't idea. get that. Yeah. yeah, there's everything more to it, right? And that's right. one of the things that astrology is for: is getting you out of your ego and mm-hmm. having you integrate it, rather than it guide you and rule you uh, in a in a totalitizing way. Because that means that your shadow self is actually going to take the the backseat driver role mm-hmm. um, in motivating your actions. You know, you're going to have a lot of action going forward, a lot of reaction to things if you're guided by the ego, but mm-hmm. not much intention behind. Or what you stagnation, do. right? Like fear. Or stagnate. Yeah. Good. Very good point. Because you know, 
we were also talking about indecision mm-hmm. a bit and yeah. the ego can that. also yeah. cause and guide you in indecision. Mm-hmm. You can get mm-hmm. comfortable and you know, you can satisfy the senses in not making decisions mm-hmm. in certain contexts. Yeah. And so it depends on what your personality is like, you know, yeah. uh, some people are driven toward action when they're guided by the ego. Mm-hmm. Some people are driven toward inaction and indecision when they're guided by the ego. Uh, and by ego, I mean, sun sign, but I also mean in the more Jungian way, uh, your shadow personality comes out mm-hmm. and actually drives, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, integration of the ego is the first, the acceptance that the ego is just one part of your personality mm-hmm. and it is your energy source. Like, just like the sun provides light and heat and energy to the rest of the solar system. The solar system contains all the planets, which represent all the different parts of your personality. And Mm -hmm. the sun is the center of it in a sense that provides all that energy to all the stuff that Mm -hmm. allows it to take action or to be inactive, you know, maybe when it should be. So if you have like difficult contacts, difficult uh, aspects from your sun to your other planets, what that means in a very general way is that your ego is in conflict with the rest of your personality. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. either this, your this ego is going to take a very infantile mm-hmm. approach to mm-hmm. things, or it's just going to be disregarded altogether and neither. Are and good. if you don't look at any of this stuff, like if you don't look at it, learn about it, have no awareness about it, you're just like kind of living by default of your conditions and your experiences up until now. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this double-edged sword. When you look at somebody's astrology chart, like if you look at Michael Jordan's chart, Michael Jordan, just like every placement, every transit that happened over the course of his life, mm-hmm. it was like snap, crackle, pop. He lived his purpose. There was wow. abs- There's absolutely no discrepancy between how he lived his life and what his chart says. Hmm. He's basically an animal living from instinct. He's completely tuned in with himself and accepting of like just what his instincts are telling him. And he just went with it. There was no thought behind any of his actions in a way. Can I be that way? (laughs) Same thing with Hitler. Oh gosh. Hitler absolutely lived his purpose. (laughs) Now there's a good way and an evil way mm-hmm. to live out your purpose, right? He mm-hmm. could have used that power through different means and toward different ends. Mm. Wow. Uh, and that comes down to to free will, you know? Hey, that's crazy. That is so super interesting. Western astrology um, that I practice at least assumes that free will exists, that mm-hmm. we have the free ability to choose between mm-hmm. this or that. Uh, and we can formulate principles that found the direction and the intention of our decision-making. And I think that, um, you know, what, what we should focus on when it comes to that is, um, you know, context over content, don't get distracted by information and details that like everything in our society is trying to distract us with, Mm -hmm. right? Like have a filter and that filter comes from, uh, principles patterned principles over time, uh, which give us a foundation for living. And, you know, we can learn about that through history, like what has actually gotten humanity to this point Mm -hmm. from a survival 
perspective? And then what has gotten certain people to the point of their thriving and their expertise and their, uh, you know, figures like, say, Michael Jordan, you know, he lived his purpose, but so did Adolf Hitler, right? So that shows that Michael Jordan just had a healthy structure through which to live his purpose, mm. uh, whereas maybe environmental conditions made it so that Hitler did not. Yeah. Yeah. Then interestingly enough, my one of my favorite philosophers, Ludwig Wittgenstein, was in the same grade school class as Hitler mm. in Vienna, Austria. Wow. Wow. And he was he was on a they were born less than a month apart. And so mm. they have some similarities in their birth charts and very similar placements. And this guy did, was not into political philosophy at all. He wasn't into anything of the sort. Um, yet he was trying to make in the most authentic way possible, uh, make his philosophy cohere with his life, how he was living and vice mm. versa, make his mm -hmm. life cohere with his philosophy. You know, if he had a principle in mind about, you know, the nature of logic or reality, he would try to integrate it. And if he couldn't integrate it, he would assume that it's false and move on mm. in his work. Um, so it's like, Two, two people who astrologically have quite a bit in common, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, lived their purpose. We're in the same grade school class, grew up together, basically, not necessarily that they were friends, mm -hmm. but they had similar context and environmental conditions affecting them through life. Yet they still, for whatever reason, chose different paths. Yeah. You know, that is crazy whereas, whereas Hitler was a massive public speaker, influ directly influencing millions of people uh, for for better or worse, Wittgenstein was a hermit. Yeah. You know, he lived in a little cabin in the mountains in Norway. Yeah. Wow. At the end of the day, neither is super healthy, right? Yeah. We are social beings. Are yeah. so, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. It's just so, so you're saying like the context is really what we should be um, prioritizing when it comes to organizing our world and our lives and kind of how we're going to make like our way through it. So you're talking about like our, our philosophy, patterns. our principles, our values. That's yeah. the important piece. Yeah, yeah. What's your, your patterned sort of foundation of principles and the less conditions your principles have attached to them, mm -hmm. the more conditions your principles can actually sustain. Mm. Wait, say so, again? Wait, what? <laughs> So the, the, the fewer conditions uh -huh. your principles have attached to them, mm -hmm. okay. so the more unconditional your principles are that you live by, right. the more conditions your principles can actually deal with. Got it. Can, can work through. Yeah, like the, be the better you'll do in life. So Right. right. Yes. If I have... So if it's based on like truth itself or that's why some people take up a religious life, it gives them a general framework, mm -hmm. a context within mm -hmm. which to live their life that's meant to account for all the variables that life can throw at them. Mm -hmm. You know, now, again, even within that context, no religion is perfect, depends on how you go about it, what right. lessons you actually take from the narratives of, of the Bible, of the Quran, whatever your text is, right. uh, whether or not you even subscribe to the text and then do you subscribe to it as fact or uh, a set of principles mm -hmm. from which you have extracted you know from you've extracted from all of the contextual narratives and the, yeah. the baggage yeah. that comes along with human stories and personifying right. things like truth and goodness and love so you know? there's no right way and anything goes and it really depends on your how, your perspective and how yeah. you look at it and what you set up for yourself. 
right? Yeah. Oh, it's perspective. So, well, this is another one of your questions, right? Like what is perspective? Why is it important to cultivate? Yes. So you can look again, that's like a, it's a conditional thing in one sense. You can, the classic modern example is looking at the uh, glass half empty or half full, Mm -hmm. right? Whether you're a a pessimist, half empty, optimist, half full. Mm -hmm. Well, the context involves, is that glass being poured it's half full if the context is mm. it's filling up. The context of the glass being poured out or drunk is that it's half empty. It's like, where is it going? Where's mm-hmm. the intention? What are you doing with the glass of water? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And at what point does thinking about that kind of thing actually matter? Right? Like, is there utility to it? Um, well, it's just a concept like any other. But looking at the context of like, uh, it's better to be optimistic in this sense, look at it half full because we're, we're doing something like we have a a set of principles that we're living by and we don't have conditions and selfish motivations driving it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we can be optimistic because there's not as much baggage attached to it. When you have like more to lose in a sense, there's more to question and, Mm -hmm. So being in fight or flight mode from a psychological perspective, someone's more likely to look at the glass half empty, uh, even if it's being poured, filled up, if they are in a psychological space of, uh, of pessimism, of just trying to work through the, the damages and the trauma that's holding them back. You know, they're, yeah. they're on their guard. They're on their they're in survival mode basically so there is utility as you would say to getting at your trauma figuring it out releasing uh, yeah. it right because i think yeah, yeah, i think totally. a large part of the population doesn't realize that they are always in fight or flight that they don't they don't know how to breathe and calm their nervous system therefore their yeah. thoughts and their nervous system keep feeding this loop of just being in the same condition not even yeah. being able to think for themselves for lack of a better word Does yeah because it's sense? a matter of like reacting, reacting rather than acting yeah. with intention because it so takes time it's to like just let things settle important. be as they are and then but okay understand the context and then move forward yes or speak or it's whatever like, can you cultivate a perspective of truth anyway with like the conditions that you're living in i don't know right it, well, it's I, so complicated i came up with this uh <laughs> this method for logical decision-making mm-hmm. called OTUJA. Of I wrote course an you did. About it. I'll send O-tuja. it to you. <laughs> OTUJA is an acronym, O-T-U-J-A. Observe, think, understand, judge, act. So this is just a means Solid. to an end. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm not saying anyone should practice this religiously or anything. It's just like a way of conceptually framing um, impartial decision-making that's also just good for you because there's also the X factor of intuition involved. So mm-hmm. first you must observe, like we, we have to think about things to some degree to understand them, right? In mm-hmm. order to think about something, we have to observe it impartially, get rid of whatever reactions we're having to, to things mm-hmm. uh, in order to think about them. And then we have to think about them to understand them then you have to understand something to some degree before you make a judgment about it. But Mm -hmm. we have to make a judgment, you know, people like, don't be judgmental. I'm like, you're making judgments all day, every day about everything that you do and say, you know, you are judgmental by nature. You're making a, 
You're making a judgment about all men that are not Blake by being with Blake. You yeah. know, you're discriminating That's against right. all Everybody other men. You're sucks. saying this is the right best here. dude. You know, yeah, and to be honest, you're you're right. You know, he's the best. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But then you act on your judgment, right? And then you repeat the process. Um, and I'm not saying it has to be like step for step. Oh, take your time going through every step. It's a means to an end. But it's but just it, a way of framing it some awareness to it. Framing Frame aware, it. yeah, decision making that has some awareness to it. Okay. Um, and so again, that's a concept that I devised, you know, you could say the opposite of that entire concept is inaction. What's the process of inaction. And then I'll say, well, that's where observation comes in. You know, we don't have to assume that we have to act or make a decision, uh, because sometimes not making a decision or not making a move or not speaking is the right one. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. usually the, the more comfortable you become in your own silence and with yourself, more you actually like it. I think mm. and the less you want to say, the less I'm you want to do. I'm in love with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> the Capricorn, the triple Capricorn moon thing. <sighs> I feel like there's probably an understanding of that. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Well, there, and there's also an understanding, uh, you know, in astrology, this is another little tangent, something we could talk about anytime, but your moon sign in astrology is really your, your deeper inner self. It's your thinking and feeling self. It's your private personality that um, you don't mm -hmm. show the world, you don't wear it on your sleeve. Mm -hmm. Now, if your moon is in the first house, which is a, or close to your ascendant, your mm -hmm. ascendant is the most visible part of your personality, mm -hmm. um, then you're gonna be very temperamental for the most part. Uh, and people are gonna, you know, lots of ups and downs, people are mm -hmm. gonna see what you're feeling all the time, but you can't help it because it's close to that part that's most mm -hmm. visible unconsciously, right? right? But uh, it's for the most part in most charts, the moon is the part that is, you know, deepest and hidden from the world. And you don't really get to know that in someone until you really get to know them and you gain their trust because gaining trust is a, there's a process involved, right? Mm -hmm. But people who share a moon sign can generally really understand each other. There's like a, there's a deep coherence of thought and feeling and intuition as well, because our internal patterns of understanding the world are the same mm -hmm. it's who you are to your to yourself when you're by yourself mm -hmm. you know so you guys probably have many a night in i would imagine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like like if you have a night not to say but it's just that you're all, always on the same page you know like if you want to go out you both want to go out yeah. if you want to stay in you both want to stay in definitely not part. always but, not always yeah. but yeah no, i feel yeah. that yeah, yeah. well that's where sun sign comes in too, because the sun wants to shine. You know, mm -hmm. Blake has a more introverted sun sign, yeah. and uh, Eileen has a more extroverted sun sign. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. air versus mm -hmm. water makes very um, much. But sense. we definitely enjoy the time in and talking about stuff. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm -hmm. Pisces, uh, like say Pisces, uh, Cancer, and Libra are usually in memes together. If you look at astrology memes, <laughs> they're, that's our three sun signs. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, are we a it's meme more about that? like, um, just com comforts, uh, comforts of thought and understanding and uh, what kind of clicks into our intuition because those are all three very intuitive signs. Mm. You know? Um, but yeah, the moon thing, like you meet someone with Capricorn moon and you instantly click with them. If you're an Aries moon and you meet an Aries moon, you instantly just kind of have a deeper understanding. Mm -hmm. No words need to be said mm -hmm. for the most part. 
Um, so it, it makes life pretty easy in certain contexts. You know? Yeah, right. that's really interesting. Well, that, that is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. I said that was weird. So, do we have any any hmm. last words, or do you want to? Uh, I mean, we probably do, but I, we, I think uh, we definitely do. We're getting to a I mean, probably ending. What point do you think here. about telepathy? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's another. Uh, so I think like psychic ability and telepathy as far as like individual talents go those are quite rare but as far as understanding someone else there are always compatibility factors between two people's charts that explain why they have like this internal coherence this mm -hmm. internal uh so you would more call it coherence instead of like telepathy yeah, from a, I have to be technical about my speech. Yes, for mm -hmm. one, because you know I'm definitely trying to be as competent as I can for the style of astrology that I do, mm -hmm. and I do do a lot of compatibility stuff uh, between comparison between charts. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, you know, for the most part, sun sign astrology won't confirm this at all, and that's just fine because I don't believe in that. But uh, pretty much any two people, any two sun signs can get along mm -hmm. uh, and, and work through their egos to the deeper level of communication and, and understanding and be able to make it work. You know, uh, we're a lot more than our egos. And in fact, having, you know, two, two people with squared sun signs can actually, even though they tend to butt heads, if they're both acting from ego, because square butt head, you know, I talked about the t-boning yeah. in the intersection thing mm -hmm. um they're forced to connect on a deeper level a level that's beyond the ego and so telepathy can often happen uh where on the surface there's a lot of struggle um and so yeah they're always compatibility factors and they take various forms that's another cool thing about astrology being an open system there's no one way that say telepathy or you know that kind of coherence between two people shows up in the chart there are a multitude of ways there are infinite yeah. ways potentially right. mm -hmm. that i can see that in the mm -hmm. chart and i'm still learning about things like that you know mm -hmm. every reading i do i learn at least two new things mm -hmm. and it's cool because uh there's a continuation of like learning that happens like I'll see the same thing show up in a string of three, four or five charts that I'm doing readings mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. I'll see like moon and Taurus in the second house in all of them mm -hmm. uh, until I master it. And then once I really mm -hmm. get a grasp on that placement, uh, something else starts showing up. Mm -hmm. wow. It just, it leaves. That's cool. You know, that is cool. So I think there's a level of telepathy as, as you would call it in mm -hmm. someone simply gravitating, being in the right place at the right time and me being in the right place at the right time, someone gravitating toward me uh, for their astrology session rather than another astrologer, you know, because mm -hmm. they have something to teach me just as much as I have something to teach them. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that themselves. way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It has to be that way. Any genuine learning happens that way. Yeah. The, mm -hmm. the teacher often becomes the pupil and, and vice versa, you know, it goes mm -hmm. both ways, two way yeah. street. Mm. yeah otherwise I mean, what are you doing yeah <laughs> yeah what are you doing right at, at what point do you actually master something you know that's yeah. another thing about astrology being an open system it is virtually unmasterable mm -hmm. you know yeah whereas i've mastered myers-briggs i've mastered big five uh personality traits that's 
you know, widely uh, discussed in academic psychology and written about and used for, you know, career analysis stuff with people. But um, there are only so many combinations of those traits that you can have because yeah. it's a it's a closed system. You know, astrology, mm-hmm. it's, it's all unique to you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's cool. I was I had no idea. You know, I thought it was about like <laughs> horoscopes or whatever. Woo-woo. Well, yeah. back in well, the day, yeah. you, do, you have an idea. Well, I mean, that just yeah. like that's what I would do. I would look at Pisces and I'd be like, oh, what's in store for me today, you know? Yeah, and, right. Uh, Which can be good, but it, mm-hmm. it's also kind of cool to look at your transits after they mm-hmm. happen yeah. to mm-hmm. see if things transpired in the way that they were predicted to, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I actually try to stay away from predictive astrology for the most part because really? I'm, I'm still trying to I, I consider myself an apprentice astrologer because mm-hmm. i just feel like i'm learning so much with every yeah. chart that i do yeah um i focus on birth chart descriptions mm-hmm. and compatibility analysis I yeah mm-hmm. and uh all roads have led me here and maybe they'll lead me to doing more predictive you know woo woo psychic stuff later yeah. but mm-hmm. i don't foresee that necessarily you yeah. know <laughs> trying not, to offer as much value as i yet. can for the conditions i'm under yeah okay Real quick, real quick, and then we'll probably oh, wrap yeah. up. Uh, do you remember? So in my reading, which everybody, Britain gave me a reading, it was great. We'll plug you at the end. Um, oh, do you remember um, saying something about like me being in like a spiritual like awakening like time frame? You said I've been in it for a few years. It, yeah. Off the top of your head, or do you have it somewhere? Like, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because definitely okay. my reality, level? yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's see where. I mean, if that's something you do on a podcast. <laughs> I mean, we we can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> your podcast, your chart. Okay, you know, so next time, just like give us readings. Like, let's just do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Pluto, um, there's always a, some sort of spiritual transformation anytime the outer planets, the less conscious planets you know, less conscious, uh, relating to things we can't see as mm-hmm. readily to the, to the eye. Anytime those things are moving through the chart, they affect you in a certain way that, um, is affects the undercurrents of where you are and where you're going. Mm-hmm. And so for, for all of us, actually, you know, Pluto is contacting our outer planets. So Pluto is crossing our, uh, Uranus, Neptune, Saturn, Saturn, especially, um, it's especially, and for, for all of us, the moon as well, cause our moon is in Capricorn. Pluto is in Capricorn. Um, so it's affecting us in a way that the external force of, um, hidden things, hidden desires, hidden beliefs, uh, is that's the external contacting our internal unconscious, uh, parts of ourselves all these planets ranging from our way, our emotional and thinking predispositions, Capricorn moon, along with the way we govern ourselves and set principles for ourselves. That's Saturn, uh, the way we make practical use of our original ideas. That's Uranus, our, the things we fantasize about and dream about though. That's Neptune. Uh, all of those things are being contacted by this dark unconscious force of transformation in mm-hmm. Pluto. Mm-hmm. So it's it's crossing all those planets, all those parts of ourselves, and it's especially significant if it's on an angle, uh, mm-hmm. so ascendant or midheaven, the AC or the MC, or opposite those things. Uh, those are the visible unconscious expressions that we have to 
embody. You know, ascendant is who you are when you walk into a room. It's what everyone sees in a sort of a casual social situation before they break the ice with you. Mm -hmm. That's your ascendant. Your midheaven is more aimed toward purpose and and career and where you're going in life and, uh, you know, what you see your potential to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's a persona. That's also a mask that you wear that people see when you're working when you're in the workplace or when you're fulfilling a purpose or when you're performing, when you're on stage, when you're giving a speech, when you're before people kind of detached from them, not making personal contact with them, but you're doing work that's meaningful to you. That's the mask they wear. So um, can't, can't speak exactly for, for Blake, although your rising sign is also in Pisces. So Mm -hmm. your chart is set up very similar to uh, to Eileen's. Uh, we have a lot. Of um, we have a lot. The houses yeah. and the signs are aligned mm-hmm. in the same way, so you have the same kind of perspectives on things. I think you, most of mine share like an understanding, ten, a lens. Eleven. Yeah. And so you guys are experiencing a very similar thing at the same time, right? Yeah. Because your charts are aligned in in the same way, same rising sign, everything's set up the same way for the most part, and so transits. Uh, go through transit planets go through the house houses that are the same in both of your birth charts the -hmm. houses are the contexts of life that we all have to deal with Mm -hmm. you know fourth house is about home and lineage uh 11th house is about your sense of belonging in friend groups and in humanity sixth house is about mundane tasks your health keeping Mm -hmm. up with your health it's getting an oil change it's paying your credit cards off it's Um, you know, it's all of the mundane things that you got to do to get back to even, you know, it's stuff we have to all deal with. So you guys have the advantage of like having the same rising sign, having the same, at least lens when it comes to looking at all the areas of life, Mm -hmm. uh, you have different planets in different places, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but, and that's what makes you different so that you can actually be complimentary, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for one another. But at least you have the same kind of vision for looking at things. That's what the cusps represent yeah. in a chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever sign you have on your seventh house cusp is going to tell you about how you approach relationships, like what you see a relationship as. Seventh mm-hmm. house is about relationships. If you have Virgo um, on your seventh house cusp, which both of you do, uh, you see it as something to work for like the details of the relationship matter, um, discussion, having, having a logical sort of framework for making things efficient, uh, and clean matter to you. Um, like keeping things orderly because Virgo is about order. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that can be taken too far. You, You know, a heavy Virgo person can be totally obsessive compulsive. If you have a lot of personal planets there, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, but it's going to tell you about how you see relationships and how you kind of manage um, manage yourself within relationships. It's it's your lens mm-hmm. for that. So um, so yeah, the spiritual transformation thing. You guys are both kind of feeling it, right? Because you have the same planets going through the same houses at at the same time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I have kind of a kind of a similar thing going on because Pluto, instead of crossing through my tenth house, is crossing my first house, my ascendant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a, more about like kind of me reinventing not only, you know, my image of myself, but maybe even my personal style, mm-hmm. what I look like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Pluto transformation affecting ascendant personal image and sense of self. Interesting. You know? mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the spiritual 
transformation stuff shows up in a myriad of ways gotcha. all the time. And mm-hmm. if it's not doing that, then maybe you're not really on a spiritual truth path. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you're not doing the work on yourself. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, there's always a transformation happening. We're, we're crazy. Most humans. Yeah. Yeah. We are. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you're looking at Blake, like you're my kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. We're so True. crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a question, but I forgot what it was. Oh, okay. oh I remember. Um, so as humans, it's crazy because we live in this world that, I don't know, I think I'm actually kind of dipping into too many things with this question, so I might oh, not ask okay. it. We might have to save it for next time. Um, I'll, how about this? Yeah. I mean, y'all can edit it out if you want, mm-hmm. but I'll do my best to keep keep a concise answer if I have one. Oh, that's good. Because that's I, a challenge for me too. Yeah. You know? No, I like I like the depth that you go into because I think it kind of sparks a lot of different things. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But we might, might interrupt more. I don't know what. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, we should probably. Uh, no, just ask go. it. Yeah, just well, ask it. We'll, Brayden my, will try to be concise question, and not go into everything in the world. I, my, my question. I accept the challenge. It's kind <laughs> of. Everything's re- connected though, man. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Right. It it's kind of related, uh, I guess, in some weird way. I mean, everything's related, you know what I mean. But um, it's also off topic, and it also kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Um, and it also goes, I guess, a little bit woo woo sort of thing. Um, yeah, I don't know why this popped up in my head now. Out with it already. There's a reason for it. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. So there's a reason for so it. So Eileen and I. I guess it kind of wraps into the spiritual transformation piece um, and it kind of the way we look at our existence. I, I think what sparked it was saying that as humans, right? We're crazy. It's crazy existence. Uh, it's very confusing. It can be. Um, and there's also like the question of like, well, why am I here? You know, what's my purpose? What's blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and there's a sense uh, what we talked about before, like past lives. So there's a sense that at least that she and I talk about all the time is like, why are we here and why do we keep coming here? I guess what I'm saying. So let me Drawing give a little circles. foundation on this. Yeah. Circles. It's like there seems to be some sort of like infinite journey that we're on. Yeah. Um, and if we're coming back here all the time, first off. Sorry, this is a ridiculous question. Oh my God, it's, it's kind that, of all over the can place. Can you get to it? I, I, I don't have a question. It, this it, it, question a big is setup. beyond linguistic capacity. It really is. It really is. Um, I, I get like where you're going with yeah. this. So it's yeah. like, I guess I, so I, I guess I have to talk about it the way that Eileen and I have talked about it or asking mm. the question. Okay. It's like, as a human, I don't think I am me physically. I think there's something else that maybe uh, makes up who I am. And I guess it goes to what we talked about earlier about being God or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and God not fundamentally being a physical right, entity. Right, formless. You know, yes. materialism is yeah. not. Um, it, materialism as a philosophy, as a metaphysical mm-hmm. philosophy, is is the belief that the fundamental aspect of nature and the universe is physical, mm-hmm. is measurable, is um, detectable by the senses. Yeah. But we know damn well what happens if we live our lives according to materialism, mm-hmm. according to satisfying the senses. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you you break down. Yes. Um, that's not a sustainable way to live. Yeah. There is something beyond the physical that maintains order uh, in our lives and purpose yes. toward mm-hmm. which we're yes. striving. Yeah. Yeah, the I, fundamental I uh, nature of reality, first of all, that's kind of a faulty concept to begin with. The fundamental nature of nature, you yeah. know, itself, <laughs> uh, it just is. Yeah. It's being. 
You know, so people ask me like, tr- like, what is truth? Where is it? I'm like, wrong question. Mm-hmm. Truth isn't a thing. It's the thing that allows you to ask any question. Yeah. Right. You know, and so it's not, it's not physical. Uh, what's its nature? Well, we can't get caught up in the what, just like we can't get caught up in the how. If acceptance, if we have the capacity to accept, uh, it has to happen without conditions, right? We have to be able to love without conditions. We have to be able to detect truth with our, um, with our intuitive, you know, truth antenna without conditions, right? Mm -hmm. Something think some things just are right. So Vedic astrologers of the East Mm -hmm. are really good at predictive work. Mm -hmm. They're very good. They use a different house system. They use a different Zodiac alignment system. Uh, it's very different from what I do, which is more psychological interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, but they believe in past lives and they believe that the soul just has this continuous existence. Mm-hmm. Everything that is always was and always will be. Mm-hmm. And, but what is intrinsic to their philosophy that um, I don't believe necessarily is that free will doesn't exist. Mm. Things Ooh, are just as they are and there's nothing we, we can do about them. Yeah. Mm. I think that both things are true. Mm-hmm. Externals are as they are. And the only thing we really have capacity to control is this material body that this soul that's in here is kind of stuck with for this lifetime. Yeah. And I don't know if I believe in the past life or future life mm-hmm. thing, you know, uh, that's just at the very least a way uh, you know, terminology that we use mm-hmm. to, understand to understand that everything that is mm-hmm. always was yeah. and always will be. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, part of my question that I didn't get to fully express because I have such difficulty with words is, uh, yeah. like, how do you avoid, I guess, like resentment towards, whatever it is that makes everything so confusing i get i guess it's like we're we're stuck in a physical container uh where the real grasp of those ultimate ideas about truth being absolute or um whatever yeah horrible yeah the how question again is a difficult one to answer because it's like uh i'm always the how i'm always how how. yeah how do we yeah you want to understand how things yeah give me the how bro i want to make it easy yeah and also the trouble with words is like kind of typical pisces too because you know that there's something beyond words (laughs) you know so how do we use words language which is really just a tool for uh a certain degree of uh, and a certain kind of understanding Mm -hmm. that we can have about things you know like I know some brilliant car mechanics that can't explain what they're doing, but mm-hmm. they just understand deductive mm-hmm. logic so well mm-hmm. that they can fix anything that anybody yeah. throws at them, you know? And so it's just a different, you know, style <laughs> of personality. That reminds but, me of this uh, guy used to work. <laughs> regarding the, the how, it does come down to context because sometimes mm-hmm. we need to look at things as more simple than we initially perceive them. Uh-huh. And other times we need to look at things as being more complex than we initially perceive them. Mm-hmm. So that's where the context comes in. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, if you're in, in tune with your intuition, then you have a basis of like, uh, this is good, this is bad. Um, yeah. in, to some degree of, mm-hmm. if I look at things simple in this way, I'm going to skip over a lot of important details and things yeah. are going to get really messy mm-hmm. and make my life difficult. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. whereas like over here in this context, 
Um, I can foresee that if I take things as overly complicated, then I'm just going to spiral into anxiety and I'm not going to just get it done, Mm -hmm. get the thing done. And then you question, what are you aiming that task at? Mm -hmm. Is that a worthy pursuit? Is it good for one and good for all? Mm-hmm. You know, and that can be a, another difficult question to approach because what seems good may just simply make you or other people feel good. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do something or say something that doesn't feel good initially that yeah. has a longer term sustainability mm-hmm. and a foundation of goodness and truth to it. Yeah. You know? So that's where the context is just infinitely important, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And principle sure. guiding your perception of that. Yeah. That's where astrology is good. Understanding your own predispositions in that way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It's, 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 there's too much to talk about right there's now. There's too much. We, um, we too need much. to like, yeah. we need to put limitations. We need to say, okay, we're talking about this today. We're talking about that today. Yeah, good luck. Three now. Capricorn moon people, we can get organized. I have no doubt. Mm. We but can. Libra, Cancer, Pisces combination, Sun sign. That's where we're going off on all these tangents. So forces with cool. us and against us. But we can right. use the you know, best of both worlds, I think. Yeah. Yes. Advantage. Yeah. So I think we should probably wrap it up right yeah. now. Um, so, Brittany, if you want to like provide like where people can find you or like what, what you offer or yeah. anything like that. So I would say that my brand, I guess I'll call it, my brand is is called Overthought and Understated. Mm -hmm. It's my Instagram handle. It's my website, overthoughtandunderstated.com. It's also my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I put some content out. I'm in in cahoots with uh, people who help me out here and there and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to get a little more organized with regard to editing my content and stuff. I kind of just like to create it and Mm -hmm. put it out there and, you know, I have all these like unedited YouTube videos. Some are 15 seconds long, some are over an hour long, um, talking about a variety of philosophical and uh, psychological and astrological topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, overthought and understated is my brand. Also, if you search my name, Britain Frost, especially Britain William Frost, because I'm one of only three Britain Frosts in the world <laughs> that are found yeah, on the internet, um, I'm pretty easy to find, actually. That's cool. Yeah, we'll uh, list that in the show notes too. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, we'll put uh, this up sometime in the next year. So yeah, uh, you know, we'll get, <laughs> we'll get, we'll get <laughs> to it. it <laughs> yeah, but I am, a, I'm, you know, a philosophical writer. Have you know my hands in a lot of pots, and uh, I'm a professional astrologer. Do birth chart and compatibility analysis, and yeah. that's that's my main thing right now. Yeah, we're awesome. gonna have to explore that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, any uh, any final words? Anything else? You final words for share. Final words. Uh, yeah, live from principle of what is true and good for one and for all. That's mm. my only advice that I can give anybody anytime, you know, because yeah. uh, it all yeah. depends on the context in which we're living in. And yeah. uh, really great catching up with you guys. Too. Yeah, you too, So man. good. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen you probably since like 2008 graduation. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's been it's been a long time. <laughs> long time. Blake, uh, <laughs> yeah. Blake and I kind of... We, we chatted every now and again, yeah. like first year of college, maybe. Yeah, we cleaned some tables together. At, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Johnny that. That's where it's at. Yeah, busting yeah. tables. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Busting. It, it was cool. Look at us now. Yeah. Whenever I saw that you guys were together, I was like, okay, that, that you, could definitely make sense. You were like, yeah. let me look at their birth charts. <laughs> I wasn't even there yet, yeah. but I knew there was something up. The birth yeah. chart stuff just confirms it now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Yes, uh, really, uh, really appreciate. Yeah, man. Awesome. Chat, we, man. Appreciate we appreciate your time, your time and man. your wisdom. Thank you so, so yeah, much. Dude. Yeah. And it Cheers, was guys. great catching Likewise. up. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to do it again. 
Yeah. All right. Sure. Hit yeah. me up. Yeah, man. Alrighty. Awesome. All right. Later. Peace. Good day. So. My ears. That was awesome. That was great. Let me uh, let me stop all these recordings.